What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This week, we're talking about a topic that we've never discussed in all of our couple hundred episodes on the Wellpreneur Podcast. We're talking about selling your business. This week's guest is Sarah Dean of Shameless Mom, and Sarah was back on the podcast in episode 167. And Sarah was on the podcast first in episode 157, and we talked about her two businesses, her wellpreneur business of running a gym, as well as her podcast about being a guilt-free mom, so Shameless Mom. But I wanted to catch up with Sarah again because she just had a huge change in her business life because she just sold her gym. And I thought this is really something we need to dig into because I know for a lot of you, the thought might have crossed your mind that, you know, do I really want to do this forever? Maybe there'll be another evolution of me. Maybe there's some way that I can take this business, pass it off to somebody else, and then I can go on to do something else. Or maybe you're not even thinking about doing that yet, but it gives you some options for the future. Sarah wasn't even sure if she had a business that could be sold. And so we're talking about everything from scratch, how she got the initial idea to sell her business, how she found a business broker, how she even could assess whether her business was able to be sold, whether that was a realistic expectation, why the process of selling her business took 18 months, and really diving into what's important to consider if you're thinking about selling your own wellness business anytime in the next five years. Because now that Sarah's been through this process, she has a lot of wisdom and advice to share with us. So it's always good to be thinking about what they call in entrepreneurial circles, your exit strategy, right? So where are you going with this business? Is it something that you want to work in forever? Are you going to evolve it? Do you want to keep owning it, but maybe outsource the management to somebody else? Or do you want to sell it all together? And so understanding more about the process of selling will give you a lot more information about that option and see if it's the right one for you. So I think you're really going to like this episode. And big congrats to Sarah for selling her business. What a huge step. As always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget to come hang out with us in our Facebook group. It's called the Wellpreneur Community. And there's over 3,000 Wellpreneurs in there talking about growing their wellness businesses. Okay, let's talk about selling your wellness business with Sarah Dean. Sarah, welcome back to the Wellpreneur Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to get to come again. So since we've talked last time, you've had some pretty major changes in your life and business, yes. and which is why I wanted to have you come on. So you just sold your gym. So tell us, you know, yeah. just a quick overview of what, what happened. So I decided probably, I started a podcast, not fitness related, a little over two years ago. And with that, I kind of gave myself this time where I was like, I'm just going to see how this goes and give myself this like little passion project outlet and see if I like it. Well, as it turned out, I loved it. And it made me see a little outside of uh, 
my role in the fitness industry that I have now been in for 16 years. And I started realizing like with the podcast, I'm actually having conversations that I want to be having a little bit more in this time in my life. And they were a little, they felt more expansive to me than the stuff I had limited myself to in running my gym. And so I kind of got to a point where I was like, I think maybe this is where I need to be going full time. And it also, as the podcast grew and I had so much fun with it, I was basically, I kind of got to the point where I was like running two full-time businesses. I had a podcast that I was running. I had, which I was then starting to monetize. And I had like three different streams of revenue around that. And then I had this gym with, you know, 150 members. It's a, it's a fitness studio. So it's a small gym, but it was still 150 members plus five, six trainers that I was taking care of. And it was a lot. (laughs) And so I kind of got to this point where I was like, I want to just see if what it would look like to sell a business. Like, do I even have something that is sellable? I had no idea. So I started asking a couple people for resources and I reached out to like an old business coach and I said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And she put me in touch with someone. I reached out to my lawyer and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. Do you know anything about selling businesses? She put me in touch with someone. So I started getting more and more information about what it looks like to sell a business, how you find out if you have something that actually like could make you a chunk of change. And what I ended up finding out after all that was that I actually had, without intending to, built a business model that was profitable and totally worth selling. And so that was really, really exciting to learn that. It was also scary because then once I had that information, I was like, okay, now like I really have to make this decision. Am I really going to do this? Am I going to give up this thing that has been such a huge part of my identity for so many years? But it was also, I will say, like the coolest feeling in the world to realize I had built something that I could sell and I could become a a, like a business, a, a woman business owner who had sold a company. And that like just saying it gives me goosebumps because I didn't realize what a big deal that was and that there's so few women that do sell businesses. And so I really started embracing that. And especially when it got challenging, because there was a lot of hiccups along the road once I got into the sales process. But I really started embracing this like, I'm going to join like this. In my mind, it's a very elite place. I don't know how elite it truly is. But I was like, I'm joining this elite place of like women who have sold businesses. (laughs) And at the end of the day, it took 18 months. When I started the process, I was terrified and not totally certain I was ready yet. And then there was a lot of hiccups, like I said. And so by the time we were done, I was like, oh my God, I'm beyond ready for this to be over with. And I'm definitely ready for my next phase. And I knew that the buyers were going to be like a great addition to the business. And so I knew they were ready to like take it and run with it. And it just, it was worth the wait and worth kind of working through all those challenges. But yeah, so that's, and now I'm running the new business full time. Amazing. Okay. I have yeah. like 10,000 questions because Go. we've never <laughs> in all the however many hundred episodes of the Wellpreneur podcast, we've never really dug into selling a business. And I think yeah. that's something that within our community, people tend to think about creating these businesses that fits their lifestyle that they want to run. And we don't right. really talk about these exit strategies and getting out. So right. um, I'm curious, like when you were playing around with this idea of to sell or not to sell, did you have this sense like, oh, this is my baby. Like, this is this thing I created. And do I really want to sell it? Or were you just like, oh, I need to get rid of it and move on? Initially, I was really emotionally torn and conflicted. And when I first started working with my broker, she told me, she's like, well, this might take like, you know, six months to a year. And I was like, oh, please, like, don't let it happen faster than that. Like, I really need some time to wrap my head around it. And I was like, honestly, like if someone came to me and was like, I want this business in two months, I would not be ready. I'm too... Like, I feel like in my five-year plan, I know this needs to happen 
for the direction I want to go, but also just kind of coming to terms emotionally with letting go of this is going to be a really big thing. But it also, I knew that I really started to get a better sense of where I wanted to be down the road. And I knew that it, I knew that I was really limited in the business that I had built in the sense that like, I wanted to have a bigger platform. I wanted to be having different kinds of conversations. And I knew that I, that really like in, in looking back, that the 16 years in the fitness industry was a really amazing transformative stepping stone for me to do the next thing. And so now, so to answer your question, it was really, really emotional initially when it actually finally happened, I had really come to terms with it. So it was not emotional. Like I actually was like kind of checking myself through it. Like you should probably be crying more, <laughs> you know, um, in the morning that we actually did, like we did this big group workout and the new buyers were there and we had this little like champagne toast with our members and everything like that morning was emotional for me, but I was really ready by the time that it happened. And I felt really confident kind of about the direction I was moving. And now I preach to everyone else. I'm like, if you have a, a wellness business, brand it in a way that you can sell it because someday you probably will want to move on to something else or evolve into something else. Mm -hmm. So you mean like not using a personal brand, but using something that you can sell? Yes. And yeah, like I originally for a number of years early on, I was Sarah Sutherland personal trainer. And then I eventually turned into Sync Fitness and got my own location. And it was kind of this evolution over time. But now when I talked to it, like there's a woman who has a physical therapy office right next door to my old gym. And I was talking to her recently and I was like, make sure like, and she has hers branded with a company name, not her own name. But I was like, I know your business is brand new and you love it. But I was like, there might be a time when you want to move on. And so just start thinking about that now. I was like, I don't want to freak you out, but like, just be mindful now that like you actually have something that you could sell if you're strategic and how you build it right now. And she was like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because you hear the advice on both sides. And I think yes, actually yes. the advice that I usually give to wellpreneurs is to lean towards a personal brand. If they don't know, like if they want to create a physical thing, then yes, it's a company. But right. like, if you don't know what you want to do, then maybe if you create a personal brand, then it's something that can evolve with you over time. But if you're actually yeah. going to create like a physical location or something where you're hiring other people and like that kind of business, then I think it makes a lot of sense to brand it so that it can be sold. Yes, that's a really good distinguisher there. And what I'm doing right now is I'm building more of a personal brand. And I do have a business name. You know, I have the Shameless Mom Academy as my podcast, but I'm definitely doing some personal branding as well. And I'm being really conscientious of like, again, when your business is new, like you can't imagine ever wanting to get rid of it. But I am being aware of like, okay, how could someone else, you know, in a few years take this over? Or how can I build something that can always evolve? Like you said, with a physical location, that's a little different. So I would say, you know, if you have a physical location, those are the things that, you know, it's a little easier to sell that than intellectual property, like many online entrepreneurs have. So mm -hmm. the physical location are the people who I'm like targeting when I'm like, make sure you're building something you can sell. So you said that you worked with a broker, kind of take us through the, like, what were your yeah. first steps when you realized you wanted to sell the business? You said you started to educate yourself and reached out like to your lawyer. What were some of the first things that you did? So actually I met with two people and the first person was like, he took me to lunch and we had this three hour lunch where he talked about how he works with people who are selling their multi-million dollar companies. And he wanted to do an assessment of my company, including this like valuation where he would establish the value of the business. And that would cost $20,000. And I was like, 
I don't think my business is that successful. And I really had like no clue, but I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not selling a multi-million dollar business. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. And so we had the super long lunch. And at a certain point I was like, dude, like, I'm pretty sure you don't want to work with me. I'm not going to get you the commission you're looking for. But, um, so that was like my first taste, which kind of freaked me out. Cause I was like, Oh, this is like, just to get information on this is going to cost me $20,000. So we had that meeting and then I met with this other woman and she's like, yeah, no, like you don't need to pay me anything. This like, I'm going to just look at your tax returns, put together some information. There's basically like some formulas I can plug into based on your tax returns and some information that you give me that will give me a general sense of the um, value of your business. And then from there, we'll put together a package on pricing and like what this would all look like. Um, and we'll put together a business listing, which is anonymous, which was really important to me so that I would go into this list, this listings database, kind of like the MLS database for housing in the United States, but it's everything's listed anonymously. So the, it would have the listing was something along the lines of like women's fitness studio in near downtown Seattle with like X amount of members, X amount of revenue. It was super bland. <laughs> um, there was no pictures of the business or anything. So she helped me set that all up. She gave me the value of the business, which I was correct. It was not worth multiple millions of dollars. Um, but it was still worth more than I had thought it would, would ever be. And it was you know, super, very exciting to be able to consider selling. And so she put all that together for me. And that happened really fast. Like we had a meeting and it was literally like a week and a half later or so. She's like, so we have the listing ready to go whenever you're ready. And I was like, whoa, like, I think we're still in the thinking about it phase. <laughs> um, but we ended up listening. She's like, you know, it might take a while. There's no reason to put it off if you know this is eventually the direction you want to go. So let's go ahead and put it up there and just see what happens. And so we ended up listing a couple of weeks later. And that was kind of how she walked me through it. So it was very like low commitment in terms of like, I didn't have to put up a bunch of money up front. It was all anonymous to people looking in from the outside. So that helped me feel safe. And then with her, my commitment to her was that I wouldn't work with another broker for a year. Like I had a year long contract with her, but like I could back out at any point. I just couldn't back out and go work with someone else. But like if I was like, actually I changed my mind or I don't want to sell to a certain person, like I still had a lot of flexibility um, in there. You said it took 18 months in total. So I think yeah. a lot of people listening aren't familiar at all with selling a business. So kind right. of, what were some of the phases that you go through and like yeah. what takes 18 months? So it usually doesn't take 18 <laughs> months. So I mean, it depends. So she said, you know, some people you get interest right away and you find people who are a good fit and it can go really quickly. So I think in that case, it would be more like, you know, maybe three to six months. So for me, we got interest initially. We had a decent amount of interest pretty quickly, which was exciting, but they weren't people who I felt were qualified. And so what I mean by that is that um, in the health and wellness industry specifically, and there's a lot of people who want to run, who would love to have taken my business and been owners of my business, but they couldn't necessarily afford to buy it. And for example, like any of my personal trainers, they're amazing. Some of them might have been interested in owning my business because some of them a dream have dreams of owning a personal training studio or a fitness business, but they didn't have the income to come and pay what I was asking for in terms of and you know they didn't have the income to, um, relevant to the value of the business. So I asked my broker. I said I don't really understand who's going to have this kind of money because people who are already in the fitness industry, there's very few of them who actually like are sitting on this kind of cash. And so she said, well, you're probably going to get people. So I'm in Seattle. And so she's like, you're probably going to get people who have maybe taken like early retirement from Microsoft or Amazon. And they're like, you know, I'm kind of done with like corporate world. I just want to do something that feeds my soul. And I have this extra money because I've, you know, cashed in on stock or whatever. So that's actually what ended up happening 
as I started getting those kinds of people. And as those kinds of people started looking at the business, some of them were qualified in the sense that like they seemed to be business minded and smart people, but some of them had no clue about running a fitness business. And one of them in particular came in and she was like really, really uh, quiet and timid. And I asked her, I was like, well, so, you know, what do you like doing for fitness? And she's like, well, sometimes I like to roller skate. And I was like, okay, like this is a woman's boot camp. <laughs> I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. There, so there was a lot of disconnects with the people who were coming in and looking. So that took some time. Then I finally found, finally, she came to me and she's like, I have these two guys who are interested. And I immediately was like, nope, I don't want two men coming in and taking over my community of women. And she's like, well, they do have a few questions. Would you at least answer their questions? And I said, okay, fine. I'll answer the questions. And they actually ended up being really, really qualified. So that conversation started after we'd been on the market for eight months, maybe. And with that conversation, one of them lived in Florida. One of them lived in Seattle. The guy with expertise in the fitness industry lived in Florida and was going to move to Seattle, but did not plan on moving until after the sale had closed. And that ended up causing, unbeknownst to us, that became this huge thing that banks did not want to lend to them because the person in the partnership with the expertise in the field did not live in state. And so that kind of put us down this long, windy road of like for them trying to get their SBA loan and running into a lot of dead ends because of him not living in state. So he ended up having to move out here without a guarantee of getting loan approval and uproot his whole life with his brand new wife. And that took a a a decent amount of time for us to get to that point. So that was a lot of the, for us, that was this very unique situation around what needed to happen for this deal to go through. But that said, my broker was like, these are the kinds of things that happen. She's like, this is a unique circumstance, but like almost every deal has some sort of like weird, crazy thing where you're like, seriously, like how is this happening? So that was kind of our situation though. And that ended up taking about 10 months from like the time they started talking, we started talking to the time that the bank finally closed on the loan and and they turned and I turned over the business. Wow. Yeah. I guess it's like buying, well, buying a house in a way. Like there's always yeah. something weird that happens that's like a one-off right. situation, but it pretty yes. much always like something weird always happens in every house purchase or sale. Like, yes. Just, and yeah. especially like in this housing market here in the States right now, like things are it's you know, the housing market's pretty wild. And like you, you know, there's it's not, especially in the Seattle area, it's not uncommon for people to be putting in offers on, you know, 14, 15, 16 houses before they finally get something. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how this felt. Like first we were supposed to close in October on two different dates and then in December and then in March and then in April. And it just like kept going and going. And I finally was like, I am not counting on anything until the money is in my bank because I can't like it was so draining to think like it's going to be next Friday. And then the bank would be like, actually, we're missing this one thing. And it requires like, you know, a month's worth of whatever kind of work. To get, so. so I wanted to ask, well, how were you personally during this whole time? Because I know when we bought our flat, it was like so stressful at moments, yeah. you know, and you just and you have like this emotional roller coaster. Um, yes. How were you during this? Time? It was it was really, really challenging. The part that was challenging for me was that I felt very much like on hold with everything I wanted to do, building my podcast and moving forward, because I didn't know how much longer I needed to be responsible for my stuff with the gym. And the gym requires, a de- it has a decent amount of overhead and I'm supporting six trainers. And so paying, keeping the revenue at a certain level was crucial. And I actually, the revenue dipped at the end of 2017 because I was not staying on top of it because I thought the business was going to close in, 
I thought the deal was going to close in October. So I was like, oh, I don't need to worry about year event, year end stuff. Well, that ended up not happening. And my revenue went down because I just wasn't as diligent. And that changed some of the conditions of the sale. So that like totally mm-hmm. came back to bite me, which was a huge bummer. And so I was very much felt trapped in this, like, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. I can't really move forward with the podcast because I don't, because I need to be responsible for like paying all these people and keeping my lease paid and all these things with the gym. And so it was really challenging, but I also knew it became so clear to me that this had to happen. Like it wasn't, my husband at one point was like, just take the gym off the market and build it back to what it was, get your revenue back up and then list it again. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that would take another year. And I can't, I absolutely can't. Like I, this deal has to be done with these current buyers no matter what conditions they're asking for, because I'm so ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And so there was definitely a turning point where I was like, there's no turning back. There was, a, you know, the first six months or so, I was like, if this doesn't work out, that's fine. Like I can go full-time to the gym. I can even drop the podcast if I need to. But there was a turning point where I was like, no, like my life is definitely, there's momentum in this new direction that I'm not going to ignore. And so I had to just be really like a lot of self-talk and self-coaching around like, this is going to work out you are not someone who lets go of things. You're not someone who walks away. You are not someone who quits. Like you make things happen and you are going to make this happen and you're going to stick with it as long as you need to, to make sure that it works out. And so it was, but it was definitely a grind for a while. Yeah. Cause I imagine like, especially once you become so clear that where you want to do is focus in this yeah. other direction. It must be, must've been hard to like motivate yourself to keep showing up and doing the proactive work you needed to do. It was, and it was hard. I'm not that I didn't want to take care of every, I mean, like me, I love being of service and I really wanted to take care of both communities. But at a certain point I was like, okay, if I know my new revenue needs to come from the new business, like as soon as this old business closes, there's an obligation to move in that direction with what I'm doing on a daily basis. And so it was, it was just really conflicting, but I also had this obligation to like keep the old business as afloat as possible because the closing numbers were a really big deal in terms of the money I was going to get at the end of the day. So it was just a lot to like have on my plate. And I can tell you, I'm sleeping so much better (laughs) than I know. Um, But there, one quick thing I will say that the buyers I was working with were really, we, we, we definitely had that, like we all felt really challenged by this whole transition and all the stuff with the bank. And we definitely had this kind of agreement that like we're in this together and we're going to make it happen. And once we had had some conversation around that, I felt like that really put my mind at ease. Like that said, you know, some of the numbers changed over time and things like that. But I was like, they want it as bad as I want it. And we're going to make this happen together. So yeah, that's one that's one of the things I wanted to pick up on, because you said you had interest from lots of different people, but they weren't necessarily the right fit. But you could have sold it to them. Right. But I guess it's because you are. So the thing I was picking up there is it's like, I guess it's taking care of your community, right? Or your members and like not just wanting not wanting to just sell it to just anybody. Right. That was a huge stipulation for me. And I told my broker from the very beginning, I was like, my priority is taking care of my members and my trainers. And I will not compromise that. And I don't need to like, you know, I can totally be a control freak. But I was like, I'm not going to be a control freak about how the buyers run this business moving forward. But there's a couple conditions that I have and they need to keep my trainers on board. And they need to uphold our current core values of the business. Because I mean, the thing is, if they chose not to do that, they would lose all the members. So it wouldn't be in their best interest to come in and like throw everything upside down anyways. But 
it was really important to me that people felt taken care of and supportive and supported. And especially because I I pre-sell memberships. So there was people who bought memberships, you know, who had committed to like full year memberships within a month or two of me selling the business. And I was like, I can't in good consciousness be selling these full year memberships up until the time I sell the business, not knowing that these people won't be taken good care of. So that was really important to me. And that was also one of the gifts of it taking so long is that I did have a lot of interaction with the buyers. So I felt really confident by the time it was all done. I was like, these are really good guys. And they, I can see what they want. I can see their vision and they might not do everything the same as me, but we're definitely on the same page in terms of like, you know, building business and integrity and those kinds of things. So that felt really good. And I guess most of the time you probably weren't allowed to talk about it, right? Well, because it wasn't a done deal. Yeah. No, this was the other thing. I'm like an open book and I wear my emotions on my sleeve and hardly anyone in the world knew that this was happening for 18 months, which is like, that is so hard. So I had like a close circle of friends who knew what was going on, but I even had some friends who I couldn't tell because they were tied into my community in different ways. And so it was like, it was definitely top secret information because the thing is for people out there building community, if you're going to sell that community or sell a business that involves that community, you don't want your community to get wind that you're trying to sell. And then they get scared and they leave or go find somewhere else to go. And then that compromises the sale because again, the revenue plummets. And so I also did not want to freak out my trainers. And I, because I didn't know for so long when this transition was going to happen, I was like, I don't want to tell them like in September and then it doesn't happen until March. And they're just freaking out the whole time wondering like, when is it going to happen and how's it going to impact me? And so I had to really keep a lot of it, you know, pretty much all of it really close to me, really tight lipped. um, And that was really challenging as well. But it was really, really important. And I'm so glad that I did it the way I did it because it did take as long as it did. And if if my community had known about that for months, it would have caused so much unnecessary stress and worry for so many people. And then when it actually happened and I told people, everyone was like ridiculously supportive. And a lot of people were, my trainers were like, you know, we're so sad, we won't get to work with you. But also we see that your heart is in a different direction now. And so like, I don't think anyone was actually shocked. I thought I was going to be dropping this huge bomb on everyone. And everyone was like, yeah, Obviously, like we've been wondering when you were going to do that. <laughs> so it really like it worked out. It worked out really well. And that gave me to, it gave me plenty of time to frame how I wanted to like have that conversation with everyone as well, which was helpful. So what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself, you know, when you were first starting that process? What advice would you give yourself? I would say probably the advice I was giving myself near, you know, in the last couple of months of the of the process is what I would tell myself now. And it was just kind of what I already said, like, you're not someone who gives up on things. You're not someone who like doesn't succeed when you set out to do something. You are someone who is resourceful and you you can let you... Uh, there's never been a time when I haven't been able to figure something out. And it's really easy when you feel like you can't figure something out to to fall into this place of like overwhelm and disaster. And I'm I can go there real fast. So I've really learned... And part of this is just being you know, something I've learned in being an entrepreneur, but I've learned this through my entrepreneurial journey and also through my journey in infertility with my husband and I, that I'm way more resourceful than I give myself credit for. And so when I'm having these moments of like, oh my God, the world's coming to an end and like, how am I going to fix it? I just have to remind myself, like there's, you've never not been able to to figure something out. And so you're going to figure this out too. And regardless of the outcome, even if you do end up having to like give up the podcast and going back to the gym, you'll be able to do that. It won't be your first choice. And it might be, you know, that might be frustrating, overwhelming, whatever. But you also could do that. Like the worst case scenario is also something that you could succeed at. And so I just had to keep reminding myself that and reminding myself that, you know, if it takes another year, I can do that. It will be hard, but I could do it. 
and I've done plenty of other things that are really hard in my life. So I love it. I love that attitude. That's fantastic. Yeah. Not just for selling your business, but just with business in general. Yeah. To just yeah. keep going. And it's okay if it seems hard and you don't know how to do it. You just keep going. <laughs> right, right. And give yourself credit for being like smart, intelligent, resourceful, ambitious, driven, like all yeah. those things. Absolutely. So if somebody out there is like, ooh, this could be really cool. I you know, hadn't thought about selling before, but it's kind of opened their eyes. What advice would you give them or any resources to point them to? Yeah, I would say if you if you think you're going to be interested in the next like three to five years or sooner, find a broker to just crunch the numbers with you. You should be able to do that at no cost to you. And just to get that information. I know that I actually met a woman a few months ago at an event and she was talking about running her business remotely from Paris and she lives here in Seattle as well. And as she was talking about it on stage, I could tell I was like, she does not want to have this business here in Seattle. She wants to be like doing this in Paris. So I went up to her afterwards and I was like, hey, you might think this is super weird and super inappropriate, but have you ever considered selling your business in Seattle? She's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you asked that. She's like, I want to sell it so badly. So I was like, okay. I was like, I just had this like little bit of a sense that like maybe you weren't like you love working from Paris, but what if you could work in Paris and not run a business remotely and get a big chunk of change from the business here in Seattle? So I hooked her up with my broker. Now she's in the process of selling. And she was like, oh my God, I had no idea that I had something of this value. I just knew I had built something that she knew she'd built something that was profitable, but she didn't know like what that profit meant in terms of selling. And so... Mm. And also a lot of businesses sell when they're not profitable. And that doesn't mean that you can't make money off of them because buyers can come in and see the potential for profit. So I think that if you're if you're curious about it, it pays to ask questions and find out. And especially if you know that like in three to five years, you don't want to be doing this, then go ahead and start that legwork just to get in. It might even get you goals to be like, oh, if I want to sell for a million dollars, what kind of revenue do I need to be working toward in the next three years? Mm -hmm. So just to give yourself that motivation and get some of that information, because before I had any of the information, all I could think about was how hard it was going to be. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to like create so many like systems documents and like, (laughs) like, and check checklists for like the new owners. Like all I could think about was like the, the nitty gritty stuff of like the actual transition and how hard that would be. And then actually the transition was super easy when we did it. And it wasn't like the stuff that I thought was letting me, was kind of getting me stuck and holding me back was not a big deal at all once I had a little bit more information and got a sense of like how this actually works. So cool. So what about the day after you sold? So everything's done and you wake up the next day or that next week. What was that like? So it's been kind of a series of little steps. So the momentum as the sale went down and over the course of the last couple of months, there's been a lot of momentum with the podcast and a lot of new things taking off. And like I've had three trips in the last four weeks that are related to the podcast and other things. And so I kind of like sold the gym in the middle of all this exciting momentum with my podcast and that the business I'm building there, which made it really challenging to be in the moment and recognize like you just did a really big thing. Like this is a life moment right here. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I've, I've had to catch myself a few times to be like, don't forget to celebrate that. And so what I've been doing initially, you know, when I put the business on the market, I was like, I want to like, you know, book this amazing trip to Turks and Caicos or to Italy or whatever for my family. And we haven't done anything like that yet, but I've been doing little things. Like I went out and I, I decided, okay, I want to get myself a piece of jewelry that reminds me that I wear often to, rem- to remind myself like, you do amazing things and build amazing things. And now you can like, I wanted to specifically get like a 
really cool ring. And so I went out and I found that ring a couple of weeks ago in Arizona. I was like, this is the ring that I want. That's like, this is the ring that reminds you that like you build really cool things that serve the world and also make you profitable and make you successful. And this is like, I can wear this all the time. And then I, today actually I'm booking for my husband and I, I'm booking this like super fancy dinner thing that we've been wanting to do for a long time. So we're going to do this like one of like the top fancy dinners in Washington state or something. Um, So I'm booking that today. And that's like my thank you to him for like, thank you for supporting me and all this. And especially in the last 18 months. So I've been doing like these little kind of milestones along the way. I will say like the day after waking up kind of feeling is that I'm reminding myself every day when I wake up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just feel like I can breathe better. That I'm not worried about how this is going to play out and what the next year is going to look like. I are, now I ha- now I know and I can build a new framework around where I want to go in business starting now. And so I've started setting goals for like what do I want from May 1st, 2018 to 2019? What is that what is the difference going to be? And so I've started, um, I joined a really high-end mastermind. That was a big gift to myself. Like with this money, you're going to go and commit to this group. And really it's called Million Dollar Badass. And so I'm like, I'm going to go and be a million dollar badass and build my next business and take it from six figures to seven figures in the next few years. And so like those kinds of things have been kind of some of the, not that those are all small things, but they've kind of been like steps along the way. And I think those might actually be like the things that are taking the place of like, I'm going to go to Turks and Caicos. (laughs) So... Yeah, so that's oh, kind of where That's awesome. So tell us about, just as we're wrapping up here, tell us about yeah. your new business then and where people can find you and your podcast and all the exciting stuff you have going on. Yeah. So my podcast is the Shameless Mom Academy and I'm over there. I'm helping moms build an identity outside of motherhood and re- remember and redefine what they're actually passionate about outside of motherhood. So they're not just identifying as moms all the time and feeling kind of in the muck of motherhood. So that's over at shamelessmom.com. You can find the podcast. It's also on iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere where you find podcasts. And then we have our free Facebook community, which I just got set. Like I've literally wanted to have a free Facebook group for like a year now, but I've been like, no, like you can't have that until you sell the gym because you won't be present enough in the group. So I finally started my free Facebook group this weekend. So that's over at Shameless Mom Academy, hashtag every damn day on Facebook, or you can go to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to access that community if any if there's any shameless moms listening who want to pop in there and join me. And so yeah, and I'm just building out different things around the podcast and so I'm getting my like my sponsorship packages in order so that I have better sponsorship packages to offer p- brand partners and I'm building out a membership site for the podcast so I'm going to have kind of this like high-end membership for my shameless moms where I can really like dig in and do some education and support and um with them. So yeah, that's that's what I'm working on right now. I'm so excited. Woohoo. Awesome. This is, this is so cool. I so appreciate that you've just shared so openly about that entire selling process. Because like I said, yeah. that's nothing we've ever talked about. And I think it I think it will really have opened people's eyes as to what's possible with what we're creating. So it's awesome. Thank you. It's very exciting. Thank you so much for having me. It's, this has been so fun. I haven't gotten to talk about this much yet. So this has been really, really fun for me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. 
And I'd love to hear if you're thinking of selling your business or what you took away from this episode. You can share it with us in our Facebook community called the Wellpreneur Community Group on Facebook. You can just click to join and we'll just, you have to answer a couple little questions just to prove you're not a robot and um, we'll approve you to join the group and you can come hang out with us there. Okay, I will see you in the Facebook group and see you back here with the next episode. Mm -hmm.